welcome to uh, Pillar Church of Oceanside. Hello in the back. Love you guys. Yep, everybody here. All right, can you hear me okay? Awesome. I wonder how many of you here have seen the, um, or at least heard the TV show Alone. Show of hands. Alone. There are not too many of you. Okay. We were turned on to this show by uh, Jim and Mary. They, they told us about this. So since there weren't that many hands, I'll, let me just give you the premise. The premise is basically they take 10 people, drop them off um, with whatever they have, which is basically nothing, and then whoever lasts the longest wins a whole lot of money. That's kind of the premise of the show. So we watched the first season. Um, by the way, there are seven seasons. I didn't know that until I started looking. I was like, oh, there's six more seasons to watch. Awesome. But here's what they did. They, they dropped these contestants off somewhere in the vicinity of North Vancouver Island, which is up in Canada. In November, it was raining, snowing at times, cold. It looked straight miserable. And they're like, good luck. Cool. I'm, I'm down for this. I mean, you've probably seen shows similar to this in the past, but I think what makes this one a little bit unique is that there's no crew with them. They give them some cameras, and that's it. And a, and a satellite phone. And then they're like, see ya, bus them in, or train them in, fly them in, helicopter them in, boat them in, whatever, however they get there. Once they're dropped out, that's it. So when you've had enough, they say that you tap out by calling in and going, I'm done. And then you're out. Simple, right? So immediately after getting dropped off into these various locations, they were all far enough away from each other where they wouldn't overlap, probably. Um, <clears throat> they get to work. Some had varying approaches to how they were going to do this, but most of them were looking around, they were assessing their situation, they were scouting out the area to learn as much as they possibly could before they started doing anything or making any big decisions. And I would say for the most part they agreed on the basics. What do we need to have? Well, in the wilderness to survive we need four things basically. We need shelter, we need water, food, and fire. We need those four things to survive in the wilderness. <clears throat> and so these 10 guys, um, I don't know if the other seasons have women involved in it. They probably do. They do. So these 10 guys in the first season, they had to decide which order they were going to do these things in, right? They had to do some sort of prioritization, knowing that there were bears and wolves all around, which there were, and they came in very close contact with, knowing that it would get down to near freezing that very night that they had gotten dropped off. Knowing that they had not come with any food and water, they had to make some decisions. Where do you start? Because I think you would agree that all of those are important, yes, to survive. Well, I think it depends on your experience level and your tolerance level to certain things, like your tolerance to how cold it gets and how comfortable you are with that, your tolerance to hunger, safety from animals, etc. The show is pretty cool. Anyway, I want to go back and, and watch the rest of the seasons now. But just the idea of getting dropped off into the middle of nowhere, having to really assess, all right, is this a good place for my camp? What do I need to do here? Where's my fire coming from? Where's my food? Where's my water? Okay, now we're all set up. We just build a routine and we start living our lives. See how long we can go. The first dude in the first season tapped out in 12 hours. So, oh, okay. So, eh, you know what? It's fine. 12 hours, okay? That's how long the first guy lasted. So here's why this came to mind this week. You're like, where are you going with this? Because as a church, I think you can understand that we've been picked up out of our familiar and even somewhat comfortable surroundings and dropped somewhere that is foreign and unknown to us. Yes? 
Look around. You can see that. <laughs> so like in the un- alone uh, scenario I just laid out, we've been focused to, or, or forced, I should say, to assess our new surroundings and make decisions as to what's important to us. What are our priorities? Knowing that what we did before isn't going to work in our new environment. Now, I'm, I'm confident that we've been doing this as a church. I mean, I look at how we're just rallying around what it is that we've got going on right now. People are coming. New people are coming. Like, we're, we're, we're hitting things with stride. Like, we're, we're hitting our new norm, so to speak. I'm less confident that we've been doing that as Christians, as individuals in our own lives. Because while it's clear that our church setting has changed, it may be less clear that our Christian lives are also in new territory. So this is what I want to explore with you this evening. Because I don't want anyone here among us to tap out. Like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Too many changes, too, too, little, too little certainty. I just, I'm done. I'm tapping out. It's uncomfortable. So that's where we're going this evening. And let me just pause and pray, ask for the Lord's help, and, and then we'll dive in. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for today. I echo the prayers of my wife earlier, and thank you that we can even gather together, Lord, as so many cannot. Lord, we know that there are people all around this this world really trying to figure out what it looks like to do church, to, to, to live out our Christian faith in these new circumstances, these new uh, surroundings that we've been forced to come face to face with, Lord. And so I pray this evening, God, that you would open our eyes. As a church, Lord, I believe that we're, we're taking things in stride, and I believe that you are leading us. I know that you're leading us clearly. Lord, I pray that each one here that hears my voice, anybody that's listening online, anybody that calls themselves a part of this family here in Pillar Church of Oceanside, or desires to be a part of this family, would come face to face with some realities this evening. And help us, Lord, as a church, to lead the flock forward. Not letting anybody tap out. Not letting anybody wander. Not allowing anybody to to be a sideline Christian. Help us in that, I pray. In your name, Christ. Amen. All right. So here's what, here's what I believe, and I'm fairly confident of, and, and the elders as well. We had an elders meeting uh, this morning. Here's what I believe. I believe that we have been repositioned in order to reevaluate. So if I was going to title the sermon, that's probably what it would be. Being repositioned in order to reevaluate who we are and what we do. And I believe that this is a part of God's plan. I don't think this is just a coincidence born out of this COVID season. I think this is on purpose through God's sovereign hand. I think it's a very unique and special opportunity that we have in front of us. And and we don't want to miss what God is doing. In fact, I'm not even sure. I can't know. Nobody can know for sure. But I'm not confident that we'll ever do church the same again. And I'm okay with that. I've come to terms with that. Because I see what God is doing already in what doesn't look like what it was at one time. Much like the Israelites coming out of Egypt, like they had to change everything. Abram, leaving the town that he knew, the city that he knew, going wherever he was going, had to, had to get ready to change. Who else had to change? The disciples, right? They were pulled out of their various trades to follow Jesus. The early church, 
right? Their, their lives got turned upside down as the gospel started to go out to the world. They had to adjust. The landscape of our world is, is ever-changing, yes? You can agree with me on that. So here's what we have to do. We have to avoid the temptation to try and make the season of life, this season, look like the last one. I think we have a tendency to do that. Like we get into our rhythms, we get into our habits, we're like, yeah, as long as it looks something like this, then I think we're, we're headed in the right direction. And so I'm here to say the age-old response of, oh, that's just the way we've always done it, isn't going to work. It's not going to get us to where we need to be. So, so what do we do? Um, I think there are a few steps that we can take in the process of following God into this next season. And so the first thing I think we ought to be doing is evaluate. Evaluate. So let me ask you the question. Why are you here? Why are you here right now, tonight, in this parking lot? I don't think it's to be entertained <laughs> or to sit back and relax and enjoy our numerous and extravagant ministries. I don't think that's why you're here. So I wonder how you would answer that question. Why are you here? Is it obligation? Is it just a habit? <laughs> is it because a friend invited you to come along? Maybe you like it here. Maybe you just can't get enough of Mike's guitar playing. I don't know what it is. But, but you do. You know at the heart why you're here. And I, I, I want you to just take a quick moment and in your head answer that question. Why are you here right now? Just in your head answer that question. Now I realize that there, there could be a variety of reasons why, why you're here, why a person would go to church. But what is at the core of your why? If you had to boil it down, beyond obedience to God, what is it that you hope to gain from being here? Because I hope you have an expectation to gain something from the time that you're investing in gathering with us. And that it's not just, oh, it's Saturday, it's time to go to church. I really hope that you're expectant every time that you gather. So here's part of my answer, and I hope that it kind of fits into yours. One of our main jobs as pastors is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Equip the saints. That's you. If you're a Christian here, you're a saint. And not like saint across the street saint, but a different. You're, you're a part of the kingdom of God, right? You're, you're that. All right? So grab your Bible real quick if you've got it, or your phone, however you... Look at scripture. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 11. Here's what it says. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now we just talked about that. For building up the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, personhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may long, no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, 
from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So there's a purpose for equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. It's not just that you do the ministry, but that you're growing, you're maturing. To the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ, that means there is something that we are uh, striving toward in terms of our maturity and growth. It's not random. This church, Pillar Oceanside, is a training ground for people to be sent out. Just by nature of who we are. How many military folks we got in the audience? Yeah, more than half. Right? Some that aren't going to be here in two weeks, two months, two years. We send people out. Now think about the spiritual battle we've been talking about the last few weeks. If you are ill-equipped, if you're not equipped to go out you're going to fail on your mission. You've got to be equipped. You've got to have the tools to do what it is that you've been calling to do. Now, if you're not being sent geographically, for all those of you that didn't raise your hand, you're not being sent to Camp Lejeune or to Okinawa. But here's the thing. We're not sending you geographically. We're just going to send you missionally. Right? You don't have to go somewhere else in order to be an ambassador for Christ. You don't have to go across the country to be a minister of reconciliation, Right? So I hope a big reason you're here is to be equipped to do the work God has called you to as followers of Jesus right here and right now. Not next week, not next year, not next decade. What is God calling you to do right now? There's work to be done. I think another part of the evaluation in your situation is to ask, what are the essentials? Take stock of what's around you. What do you need to thrive in this new environment? And I guess, before we answer that question, some of you are asking yourself, like, what do you mean by my new situation? Yeah, we're in a parking lot, but, I mean, I'm still, I'm still me, right? Well, you are, but, but here's the deal. I think from time to time, in our Christian walks, we find ourselves in different and unique settings. Maybe you're, you're on a missions trip or you're about to go on a missions trip. Something unique about that time frame in your life. Maybe if you are in the military and you're on deployment, maybe you're a, a chaplain's assistant, you're a lay leader. You've got this increased responsibility, spiritual responsibility to help minister to people on deployment. Maybe you're a young family and you're trying really hard to establish some spiritual rhythms in your home so that you can grow in the Lord together. But the, the emphasis on spiritual things is heightened because of the situation that you're in. Again, I think as a part of this repositioning for us, there's this sort of refinement happening to cut out all the unnecessary stuff. Not just in the church, but in our own lives. What right now is unnecessary that we've been adding over the course of the years that now can just be cut away? Now we realize, oh man... We've been doing this, and we don't need to be doing this. This is, this is just taking our time. It's distracting us from doing the things that we ought to be doing. So that, that process across the church is undoubtedly going to have an impact on what you do and what the essentials are in your own day-to-day -day life as a believer. And so in light of that, and as you would assess the environment around you, what are the essentials? What do you need to focus on and invest in the most. Just like if you were dropped off on Vancouver Island and you're like, okay, what do I need 
right now, if I'm going to live tomorrow, if I'm going to be alive tomorrow, what do I need? So you're asking yourself now, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, if I'm going to be obedient, if I'm going to walk it out, what do I need to be doing right now in order to be found consistent and obedient and walking it out? And, and so by essential, I mean the things that are going to most efficiently and effectively help you do that work of the ministry that you've been called to. In my evaluation, and in talking with the elders this morning, one of the most essential tools that I think we need in our arsenal is a complete understanding of the gospel and the ability to communicate it clearly. Uh, I think that our, our weekly study that we've been doing uh, on Wednesday nights has been very, very fruitful. It's been encouraging, but it's also been revealing to me that we need to better equip people to have this information, this, this vital information ready, ready to go at a moment's notice. Why? Because this is the very heart of who we are as Christians, right? The gospel message, the thing that saves us, is at the heart of what we are as Christians and what we need to rehearse to ourselves daily, again and again, and what we need to share with people who desperately need to hear it. So if you find yourself struggling to do this, to really have that clear grasp and ability to communicate it, I've got good news for you. In, in, in two weeks, I'm going to be preaching a message called What is the Gospel? Next week... We're going to start a new series that Mark is going to kick off that's going to, going to, I think, orient our minds around what are the essentials. What is it in this season that we as a church and we as individuals need to dig into? And I'm excited about it. I am. So what are some other essentials for us at this time? Just throw some things out. Prayer. What else? Two for Audrey, zero for everybody else. <clears throat> All right, worship, absolutely. So things that we must have as Christians and as the church. A steady diet of God's word and regular time with him in prayer. Audrey nailed it, good job. I'll give you 20 bucks later. <clears throat> These are lifelines, my friends. Lifelines and necessary for us to survive as believers. Put yourself back in the alone setting. Necessary for survival. Have you looked at prayer and reading the Bible as necessary for your survival? I hope that you have. At least they're necessary for survival if you are a believer who is actively going out on mission to live lives as ministers of reconciliation and ambassadors for Christ. Right? If you're doing the thing, if you're living on purpose, if you're seeking Him first, if you're doing all of these things, it's going to feel essential. It's going to feel necessary, right? So I want to give you two things as you're evaluating and taking stock in your life. Without these two spiritual habits, we will not be able to do what God commands us to do. Without a steady diet of God's word in prayer, we will not be able to do what God has commanded us to do. The second thing, church, we probably won't miss these two spiritual habits if we're not living on purpose for Christ. They won't be essential. They won't be life-giving because we're not in a place that we are aware of that we need them. You don't need gas in your car if you're not going to go anywhere, right? You don't. You don't even think about how much gas you have until you've got to go somewhere. 
But until then, <laughs> you're not really thinking about it, and you don't miss it. Church, I'm telling you, there should be an urgency in us to ensure that we have these essentials as a regular part of our daily lives. Again, I'm going to keep going back to the Alone TV show because it made an impact on me. Their lives literally depended on whether they made a shelter, made a fire, found food, found water. Do you have the same kind of attitude toward the spiritual essentials in your own lives? Again, most times, it's not until you're in a position to rely on these things that you have that kind of dependence. And, and listen, I'm preaching to myself as, I, as much as I'm preaching to anyone here. But if we're really being repositioned to reevaluate who we are and what we do, then we got to ask these hard questions and we got to give honest answers. All right, so what's the next thing that we need to do? We've got our evaluation of the scene going on. We see what the essentials are. Now we prioritize. Once you've got a, a clear picture of those essentials laid out, what is first? Because remember, they're all important. We need them all. But what will your day look like in terms of activity, active participation in these essentials? How much time are you going to commit to them? What's your overall objective? What's your goal that you have set out in trying to achieve in these? Remember a few back, a few weeks back when I said that God is worthy of everything that we have to give? You remember that whole idea? He's worthy of everything that we have to give. Shouldn't that include time and energy and investment in the things that matter to him most? I mean, that should be like at the top of the list, but oftentimes it's not, for myself included. I'm with you in that category. But it isn't just a good idea. It's what God desires of us, and I'd even say demand of us. We're to seek his kingdom first and keep our eyes fixed on him. Let me give you a quick note here. Don't keep doing something only because it's what you've always done. Kind of hit on that a little bit earlier. If it's still working and it's still a good idea, great. But if there's something more efficient or a better way of doing something, then, then change. Right? Don't just keep doing it because that's what you've always done. The third thing, the last step in what we need to do is we need to act. We've got to move. We've got we to gotta go and do. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Right? You know that scripture probably. So once you've assessed your surroundings, you've got this prioritization going on, you get to work. Like, let's, let's, let's do this. And I think this is where most people fall short, myself included. They got these great intentions, right? They've got this solid plan. All right, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm doing this, I do this. They, they, they even step out in faith, and there, there's some consistency for a while. And then what happens? Life happens. Things get crazy at work. Priorities shift around, as is necessary from time to time, right? I'm not saying that's not the case. But listen to me now. If you haven't listened to anything, listen to the next 30 seconds. It doesn't matter if your house is immaculate and your boss loves you, if your marriage is neglected and you're struggling with lust. Right? Who cares about those other things? Living a life built on the essentials doesn't guarantee you a life free from struggle. But a life free from the essentials guarantees a struggle. get an amen on that. Let me say it again because you might want listening. I'm not saying that if you do all these things that you're guaranteed to be
free from any kind of struggle. Living a life built on the essentials doesn't guarantee you a life free from struggle, but a life free from the essentials guarantees you a struggle. So reevaluate often. Now we got enough military personnel here present where I think I can use a reference to land navigation. Now, I don't know if they still do it, but back in the day, they used to teach you how to read a map, use a compass, and navigate from point to point. Do they still do that, or is it like all GPS and, and use your phone? They still teach you how to do that. Sweet. That's good. I'm glad to hear that, because that's an essential skill. But in land navigation, you can't just look at the map the whole time and assume you're going in the right direction. Like, it just doesn't work. You need to look at your surroundings to see if your feet are going on the ground where the map says you ought to be going. In other words, just because you read the Bible and pray every day doesn't mean it's having an impact on where you're going as a follower of Jesus. you got to look up every now and then. <laughs> All right, where am I going? What am I doing? I'm assessing. Okay, I've been spending way too much time doing this, no time doing this, or... I've been reading the Bible for an hour every day, and I don't feel like I've grown an ounce. It's just by habit. That's part of the assessment, my friends. So where, where are we? Well, we're, we're in a new place. And I hope that you individually can, can understand that as well. Your Christian walk is different. People are hungry for things right now. People are asking questions that they don't normally ask. They're looking at this COVID situation, they're, they're being forced into situations that are causing them to ask big questions. And we might not have all the answers to their big question, but we have the answer to their biggest problem. I would encourage you, begin praying right now, Lord, as I'm looking at the essentials around me and what I need to thrive in this community, in this new surrounding. Who are you placing in my life that I can impact with these essentials that you're raising me up in? Because it's not just for you. We've, we've taught on that before, right? Fruit is not for you. You don't grow fruit. The tree doesn't eat the fruit. The fruit is for other people. What is God building up in you is for other people. It's not for you. So this requires a reevaluation of our lives. And listen, some of you here today may not even be a Christian. You may think you're a Christian, or you're just here because, again, somebody invited you, and you're just kind of listening and, and taking things in. So I'm glad you're here, because everything I just said applies to you as much as it applies to us. So are you ready then, as, as maybe a non-believer, a seeker, just trying to figure out, where am I in all this stuff? Are you ready... To acknowledge that living the life you've been living is not what God desires for you. And that as our righteous and just creator, God, he's set forth a standard by which he's called us to live. Problem is, we like ourselves a lot. Right? We, we selfish. We want to do things our own ways. And we choose how to live and what to do, and therefore we, we are disobedient to God because we choose our way over his. And just like any good parent, God, the Father, looking down, is going to hold creation. That's you, that's me, that's every person. He's going to hold creation to account for that disobedience, which we know as sin. 
What is the penalty for our disobedience? What's the penalty for sin? For the wages of sin is death. You said it, right? Not just physical death. Yes, everybody's going to, uh, provided they're not uh, called home before then, in terms of the rapture. But everybody is going to die physically. But we're talking about a spiritual death. We're talking about being cut off from God eternally. Left then to pay for our sin in a place called hell. But God, two of the best words in the scriptures, he's, he's loving, he's rich in mercy and grace. He sent his son Jesus to live a life free from disobedience and sin, which makes him the only acceptable sacrifice person sufficient to take our place to pay for our sins so we don't have to. And that's exactly what he did on the cross. He died in our place, paying our penalty for our disobedience. And he made a way for you and for me to accept this free gift of forgiveness and salvation by repenting of our sin, changing our mind about who we are and about who God is, believing in what he accomplished in his death, his life, his death, his his resurrection. So the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. If you're not a Christian here today and, and you're, you're trying to figure out what all this is, now's the time. Now, now's the time. Repent, turn from your sin, believe in the gospel, be set free. If you are a Christian, uh, I, I'm confident, convinced, really. God is is ready to do the work in us, especially here. I can't speak for other churches. I can speak for here what God has been revealing to me and to the other elders as we've been seeking him in this time. He's ready to do something. And I was excited a couple of months ago when all this started happening and we lost our place over at the school. And I was like, oh, maybe this is what God was talking about at the beginning of the year. He's going to, the big thing that he's going to do, he's going to give us a building. Like, yes. And that may still be a part of his plan, but I don't think that's quite it. I think right now, what he's doing in me and in you and everybody that is actually really listening these last few weeks to what God is doing, I think that's the big thing that he was talking about in January. And I want you to be a part of it, church. We don't have the time to sit around and wait and be idle. That urgency that I talked about, that desperation... What are you waiting for? I'm asking. I'm serious. What are you waiting for? Because in my mind, if you're not there, there's a problem. And part of that problem is you might be counting yourself among us and you're not. That's heavy, church. I'm sorry to say it, but... I care about you and I love you too much to let you sit here and think you're a Christian and you're not. I didn't plan on saying any of this. So I know it's from God. It's that serious. It's time to get serious, church. I pray that you join us on that journey. Let me pray. God, I'm just trusting in you that you are speaking through me because I I don't want to say anything that is not from you and I don't want to say anything that is going to cause people to, to
to run for the hills. Yeah, God, it, it's outside of your plan and your will for us as a body of Christ, but I, I'm, I'm confident, Lord, in what, what I'm saying is from you. So Jesus, would you just help us right now through your Holy Spirit, convict us in our hearts to get serious about what it is that you called us to do, God. And I pray you'd convict those that are sitting here that that think they're among your flock, that think they're a part of your kingdom, but they're not because they've not truly repented. They don't understand that they are still under the curse because they've not changed their mind about themselves and about you, and they're walking in condemnation. Christ, Again, through your spirit, would you just reveal to us the ways in which we need to grow and change and shape as we reevaluate our lives and focus on what matters most to you in this season of life. God, I just, I just praise you and I thank you for all that you do in us and through us. and Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.